Welcome to the Revive Podcast with Pastor Jennifer Kofi. Be blessed as you listen to today's message. Amen. Amen. Let's come back into our word for today. And as I was saying, last week we spoke on restoration and we're still there. We're still we're still there. And last week I said to us, if there's nothing you take home, I, I made a statement. I said that statement, take it home. What was that statement? Hallelujah. God is a God of restoration. And I want that to be in your heart. God is a God of restoration. And we proved this all the way from Genesis. Hallelujah. That even at the fall of man, God was ready with his restoration plan. That man fell and immediately God uttered the restoration. He said, hey, the, 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 the feet of, of, of the sun will crush the head of the serpent, even though the serpent will bite the heel, but the the, the the legs or the feet of the sun will crush the head of the serpent. And he immediately spoke that restoration of man from the fall, even in Genesis. And we look through scripture, look at how he told Jeremiah, go to the potter's house, and Bible says the work the potter was doing got mad in his hands. Bible says the potter broke it down and made it into another pot. And then God asked Jeremiah, Jeremiah, can I not do this with the house of Israel? In other words, I am the God who is able to make it up again. I'm the one who's able to build again. Hallelujah. We looked at Ezekiel, I mean, dry bones. And God says, you have the power, speak to it. And Bible says, by the time Ezekiel was done prophesying, those dry bones, those Bible describes them as very dry bones. It says it got, it, it, sinews began to grow, flesh came on. And not just that, it didn't remain dead. The power of God, the, the breath of God entered into that dry, the, the dry bones. And Bible says they rose up. They didn't just rise up, but they became a mighty army. I don't know what is dead in your life. I don't know what you have given up on. I don't know what is very dry and is in a valley. Like the situation was multiple issues. It wasn't just dead. It was, it was dead for a long time. It was dry and it was very dry. And then on top of it, it was in a valley. And it wasn't just one. It was every, everything, all, a lot. But Bible says, limb found, found head, trunk found, everybody part found its place. And it rose up, became a mighty, mighty army. Hallelujah. We think of people like Joseph. Hallelujah. Joseph had a word over his life and through his process of going into the pit and then into the prison, God had a plan. And at the end of Joseph's story, we find out that God restored him. And God didn't just restore him or like, oh, come in. No, he became the top. He became the top. If there was any position attainable in Egypt at the time, Joseph was the one who got it. I'm just here to tell you this morning that God has a mighty plan of restoration. And as we fast and as we wait on him, God is speaking this over you. He's speaking restoration. He's speaking restoration. That that which the canker worm, the locust, 
the crawling locusts, that which they have eaten, that he, the Lord God, he will restore it to you. He will restore it to you. He will restore it to you. Hallelujah. And last week, we took the time to look at the word restore all the way from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And what is striking about this word is that it is very akin. The Old Testament usage and the New Testament usage look very similar. Most words are not like that in scripture, but when it comes to the word restore, we understood that there is such a link between the two, but we focused on the, the on the restore, the, the word, the usage that we find in J Joel chapter 2, hallelujah, when the Bible says, I will restore to you that which the canker worm and the palmer worm, and we understood that that word is the shalom, the shalom, when someone in, in Jewish culture, when they would tell you shalom, we understand it as just peace, but in their culture, it meant more, it meant the covenant peace, not just just peace. In other words, it is the peace that God gives them. That is the shalom. We understood that it means to complete something, to make something sound, to finish, to make it safe, to make it whole, to recompense, to reward, to repay. All of these things are in that word. And we began to understand that that word, when you come into the New Testament, it's almost like sozo, the salvation that God gives us. That is the shalom. And so the next time you say shalom to somebody, you are telling the person, you're coming into restoration you're coming into wholeness God is making your life sound he's giving you peace of mind he's giving you soundness of mind the next time you declare that to someone you're telling the person that there is completion coming for those things that have been left open in your life in Jesus mighty name and we did we, we we went into you know prayer the place of prayer in restoration we went into the place of the instruction of the Lord in restoration, how we must obey God. We went into um, how restoration is a process oftentimes, but we don't see it because we fail the process. We don't want to go through the process. And so we looked at the man that Jesus himself, not Peter, not Paul, Jesus himself took this man. Bible says he took him by his hands in Luke chapter 6. And Bible says he walked the man outside of the city and Jesus spat and prayed over the man's eyes. And when Jesus finished, Jesus asked the man, do you see anything? And it, it bugged me because this is Jesus. And I asked myself, is it that Jesus did not have faith? But I don't think it is so. I believe that Jesus was pulling that man's faith to the level where the miracle, he could, he could hold the miracle. And Bible tells us, the man said, I, I do, something has changed, but I see men as trees. And Bible tells us Jesus prayed for him again. I don't want you to give up on the process. I don't want you to stop praying. We remember the word that God sent us through me. I preached, um, pray again. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to give up. It sometimes restoration is a process. It will look like, oh, you pray today. Eh, it looks better, but it hasn't been, it doesn't go further. You must stay with the process. And I believe that God, God will do it. Hallelujah. And finally, we looked at the need for courage. Courage if we will see restoration. And we looked at that from David's story where David came back to Ziklag and they had taken the wives of all of the men, their children, everything. There was nothing left. And David went before God. David said, hey, 
This was a time where the people had turned on him. David's men had turned. They were so grieved. They wanted to stone David. And David found the place, his place with God. And David went into that place, not a physical place, I, I, I mean, but he went into that place where he communes with God. He says, he told them, give me the priestly effort. And David went into prayer posture. He did not go into the kingly role. Sometimes we meet things in our lives and you want to be pompous. No, there are times where you have to fall on your face. And when David went into that place, David was seeking a word from God. He said, God, what will I do in this situation? Should I pursue? Will I be able to overtake? And God released that word. God said, go, you will overtake. Pursue them. Over you will pursue you will overtake and you will recover everything hallelujah and we we looked at the the place of courage when god releases the word that we will not sit down and just be be smiling at the word or be excited because we heard but we will go beyond hearing and do and we 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 spoke and prayed for courage hallelujah this morning I just want to lay emphasis on, on something that in reading scripture I have found that is necessary to walk in restoration. And that is our place with God. That is our walk with God. That is our fellowship with God. That is our, our, our heart towards the things of God. Hallelujah. Bible tells us in, in restoration, what we must understand is that God will restore always from an eternal perspective. God will not restore because uh, I want this. I want a new car. I want that. Da, da, da. No. God does not. He always moves per his eternal perspective or his eternal purpose. And so in Genesis, when man fell, the restoration God gave was not, oh, Adam and Eve, you have sinned. It doesn't matter. Stay in the garden. You get it. Because oftentimes we, we want to... We want to demand restoration based on how we feel. And so I'm sure Adam and Eve at the time were saying, God, but we made a mistake. Forgive us. That's restoration. Let's move on. But God spoke restoration from the eternal perspective or from his eternal purpose. And the restoration had to come through Jesus Christ. And it is the same in our lives. God will not come and step into a situation and do it just because you feel or you want or uh, it will make me look good no god will always restore from an eternal perspective and that is why i keep saying i keep saying that you need to hear god's word and god's voice on that situation because that is the way god will do it he will not do it per your sentiments per what people expect or per what you feel like you want hallelujah and I just want us to consider a few things. And so we are going to read a text from Zechariah chapter 4. Let's read from verse 6. We read, I think we read it to even pray last week. And we are going back to that text. And I want to bring in a bit of the history of what was happening at that time. And then we will, we will worship and pray, God, pray to God again. Hallelujah. And so in, in Jeremiah chapter 4 this is it's a somewhat a pro prophecy it's something between a pro it's like a prophecy so jeremiah is speaking concerning how jerusalem will be restored and bible tells us if it's up from verse six kindly put it up for me 
Zechariah chapter 4. Let's read from verse 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. <laughs> and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? It says, for these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the earth. And because we prayed last week, I mean, Brother Perez spoke to this. But my focus is on the man Zerubbabel and what was happening or what Zachariah was speaking of in this text. So what happens is that Israel sins against God. There's prophecy that Babylon will come and capture Israel and will take the children of God into exile. So Daniel and the Hebrew boys, all those people are the people who experienced that captivity. They were taken, you know, or they were taken into captivity. So people are in Babylon. They've been there. The time is up. So let's say, let's say people like Daniel were born in captivity. The time is up. They, 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 Daniel recognizes it. Daniel begins to pray and seek out God that God, ah, isn't it time for our people to go back? And then God, you know, begins to work his works. So the working God begins to work is found in these people, in people like Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah. That is where you will find how God does that turn around for the children of Israel. So by this time, that the city Israel is raised to like its ground zero. Yes. So in present times, if we wanted to act, you know, that story, it would look like the way, you know, bombed to the ground. That like if we wanted to act it out, that is the way it would look. And not just bomb to the ground, but the people are captured and taken. So maybe they are taken into Russia and they are put into all kinds of, you know, service or slavery. So that is the picture we would have. Hallelujah. But the time comes where this situation has to be turned around, where restoration must come. Where restoration must come. And what happens is that it doesn't happen at a goal. It's not like, you know, there was some wonderful thing that happened in Babylon and then the people came out and then all of a sudden there was a, a city rebuilt. No. What happens is that the restoration is in process, it's in, it's in batches. So first of all, the, the, the very first move that happens is this man, Zerubbabel, and he is sent by this time he was born in captivity and this man is sent back to Jerusalem to start the work but interestingly the work that began was not the city it was the temple so the very 
first move for restoration was the temple, not the city. So you've entered into a city, everything is down to zero, like there's nothing. God's agenda for restoration did not start with, oh, maybe let's raise the walls first. At least it will make people know that, you know, at least. No, it started from the temple. And so that was the first batch of people who would come. And by this time, Zerubbabel had become a governor under this rule. Now, the history of Zerubbabel is actually quite interesting. Zerubbabel's grandfather is Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim was the king of Judah at the time that Babylon captured, um, went into Jerusalem or went, into, went to capture the children of Israel. So he's a grandson to the king at the time. And we know that when they brought them to Babylon, he was put, he was put in prison. The, the king was put in prison. But somehow along the line, something happened. And... Babylon fell because the Persian rule came in. So that's how come there was the whole Esther story and everything. So Persian rule came in and some way, somehow, the king of Persia feels like he wants to favor somebody. And interestingly, this is the king that is brought out. So somehow, I think it's in 2 Kings, we find that Jehoiakim finds a place at the king's table. So this is, you are in a foreign land, you are the king of this city, you've been captured, you are a, 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 a prisoner in another land, and then someone shows up and they want to favor and they pick that person. But I believe that God had the plan of restoration in mind all along. So man may have thought, oh, I'm just doing something, but God had an intention. God knew that out of this line, I'm going to raise somebody who I can see faithful to my work. Hallelujah. And so um, Jehoiakim's line, um, the, the father of, of um, Zerubbabel, I believe he's Sheltail or something of the sort, is all mentioned there. And these people are born in the royal courts because of the favor that his grandfather got. And he's trained in royal courts. He's, he's exposed to politics and everything. And so by the time God is ready to use him, that man is equipped. He knows governance. He knows what to do. And God picks up this man that was not born in, in Israel. This man who was born in captivity, God picks him up and God says, this is the person I will use. And he's the person who leads the first batch of people back to Israel. And they begin, the work they began was the temple. And that is what Zechariah is speaking about. Zechariah is speaking about the work not on the land as in the whole of Israel or not on all of Jerusalem, but Zechariah is speaking concerning the rebuilding of the temple. And when you read it from Zechariah, you understand that what was happening in history, when you go to 2 Kings to read, was actually something that God ordained. Because this is, the, the angel of the Lord is declaring how things are supposed to be. 
So we understand that what happened in, in, in history, it was not just an occurrence. And for many of us sitting here, we are looking at all the things that have happened. Corona has come. This has come. Everything is broken now. Oh God, economy is bad. Hey, I mean, we can talk as much as we want to. But what I want to push your mind to is that as believers, we need to begin to enter into the courts of God and begin to understand what it is God is doing and what it is he wants us to do, where he wants to place us, how that difference will come by us. That is what I want us to understand. In time, I mean the city would also be rebuilt. So Nehemiah, who was serving the king, I believe he was under the king Cyrus, I believe at the time, Nehemiah also moves another batch of people and they come and they began to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And that is in another, you know, move back. Another batch of exiles coming in. And then there is Ezra. So when you go into the book of Ezra and you read it, you see a restoration. But the interesting thing about Ezra's restoration, he even speaks to Zerubbabel, the work that Zerubbabel had done. Because what Ezra's restoration is so linked to what Zerubbabel did. What was it? Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple and Ezra restored the worship. Because it is one thing to have a building. It is one thing to say, oh, that is our church. Or it is one thing to say, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I've left the world. And it's another thing to actually live it and to do it. And so God needed the process of restoration to be full. The point I'm bringing to your mind today is one, like I said, that we will begin to engage God on what it is that God has for us. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the things happening in our world, what is it that God has for us? Why has God taken you through your process? What will God use you for in this time? That is one. Two, I want us to understand that restoration, if you are looking for restoration in your life, oh God, touch this area of my life, touch my marriage, oh God, make a way for me, give me money. One of the very first things God is going to test you with is how you handle the things of God. God is going to require that you stand in the place and serve his kingdom agenda. Bible says that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added. God is going to test. God is going to look out for a, this person who's before me all the time. What does he really want? Is it what I want for him or it is what he wants for himself? Because oftentimes when a person's heart is not aligned with eternal perspectives, the person will receive what they want from God and the person will fall and so God is going to require the very first step to restoration is not that you will have that that car that baby no the very first step to it is that where you stand with God will be will be secured and sometimes the process the fact that God does not snap his finger and everything falls in place sometimes the process is so that that issue can be settled how much you trust in God, you rely on him, how much you rely on him, how much you love him, how much you are surrendered to him, you are not doing your will, Lord, that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven, and you believe that you are the portal through that, God is going to require that of us. God could have started with a rebuilding of the walls, but he started with the temple, it must be so. God could have said, Adam and Eve, I forgive you. But he said, no, the son must come first. He will always do it 
from his place. And so today I want us to understand that if you're looking for restoration, I just came to submit to you that look for God. Because he is the restorer. He has restoration in his hands. If you are looking for restoration, come back to God. Come back to a prayer life. Come back to a word study. Come back to commitment to the house of God and to the people of God. Come back to loving. Come back to living by the word because it will come. The thing you're looking for, it will come. If you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, he says he will add everything else to it. Come back. And so Ezra comes and he begins to set things in order. Those things that had been misused, those, you know, the, the vessels that were contaminated. Ezra was the one who commanded. He said, see, the priest, you yourself, use your resources and build it up. Make it better. Ezra came. He said, put things in order. Ezra was the one who came, opened up the scriptures and began to declare it unto them. Ezra was a, a, a scribe. He wasn't like a governor. He was a priest. And he did that work of restoring the worship. Hallelujah. And I want to submit to us that it's time we come back to these things. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm a very understanding person. I like to like, you know, see where people are coming from. And I, I, I hear people say, you know, it's hard. And, you know, and that's the reason why I can't do this. And, you know, right now, and, and that's why I can't serve God like this. That's why I can't do this in the house of God. Or that's why I can't be to church on time. And I, I hear those things. I get it. I get it. I, I feel for you. I get it. But the feeling for you does not change the order of God. If you are going to see it, God is going to look upon your faithfulness. God is going to look out for that. And it's time we come up in our faithfulness to God. It's time we don't place anything above God. It's time we have no other gods aside him. It's time. We have no other gods. I know that you may not, you don't have an altar in your house, perhaps, if you do, please. But I know that it's not, I, I'm not speaking of maybe a shrine, but I'm speaking of the things in our lives that have taken preeminence over our Lord. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how you can obey your 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 bosses and your, you know, work code at work, how you, you know, you want to punch in on time at work and yet you feel like it's okay. It's okay to walk into church when you like. And then when, you know, when, when that matter comes up, you have a response. You go back to the scripture and you say, grace, God understands. God will restore us from an eternal place. And if your heart is not right now, when the restoration comes, if, if God were to give it to you, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I pray that God will restore us in our passion, our pursuit of him, in our worship. Worship is not just the singing. It is the life of surrender to our God. I pray so. In another instance, in, uh, in 1 Kings 18, we see Elijah and we see him on Mount Carmel. And we see that situation where the prophets of Baal, he says, let's do a contest. 
and he says, okay, you guys, take one, one animal, I take one. Do what you do, bring fire down. And, the other, and, and I will also do what I'll do, and we'll see whose fire will come. Bible tells us that the prophets of Baal for morning, these people came, they cut their animal, put it on their altar, and then they began to jump and dance. Danced by afternoon, nothing had happened, fire did not come. They go on, go on, they go to the point where they began to cut themselves. I mean, blood was oozing out. They went to the extreme for their God, but Baal could not produce fire. And when all that is done in 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 second in in first Kings eighteen, the verse thirty Bible says, then Elijah came and he repaired the altar, and he repaired the altar. Elijah came and he and I and I asked myself, okay, what was happening? So. The, the, the repairing of the altar, this was the case that Israel had turned away from God because of their king Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Israel had started mingling with other people, doing all kinds of things. By this time, they had begun to turn away from God. There was no regard for the, the altar of the Lord. Nobody cared. Nobody minded. The thing was broken down. The thing was basa. So, Ahab, so Elijah, when he is about to do this, Bible says, Bible calls what he did, the repairing of the altar. Bible tells us how Elijah had to pick up the sticks again. And you can find references in Numbers 25 and 1 Kings 19 that tell us the situation. And he does all of this to indicate that, see, even though it looks similar, it is not the same. Even though they brought animal and put it on an altar, it's not the same as what I'm doing. I have a reverence for who I am serving. I am doing this is unto God. He distinguished what he was doing from what they were doing. He waited. Everything they wanted to do, they did. And when he came, he set up his own altar. He put stone. He brought the wood. He did everything. And Bible says he then went on. And today, I just want you to remember this as you go. You are that altar, and you happen to be the sacrifice under the New Testament. That is what it is, that you are that altar. Bible says we present our bodies a living sacrifice, and then it tells us that don't you know that you are the temple of the Lord? In other words, you are the altar, you are the sacrifice. And how is it possible that a, 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 an altar that is broken down will be used to bring sacrifice unto the Lord. And so when we come into the place of restoration, always remember that God will come after you first. He will come after restoring your walk with him first. He will look at the state of your heart, the condition of your heart. God will come for that altar. And you must be ready to give it back to him in the way that it's supposed to be. You must be ready to let go of malice. You must be ready to put down any idols, to throw them down and to repair this altar, which is you. So that everything from that point on can rise up to God as a sweet smelling savor to which he will respond. To which he, could, could Elijah have said, oh, let's just go ahead and do anything and call down the fire. He took the time. I'm sure the people were looking, what's all this drama? Took the time. Bible says he repaired the altar. 
And then he laid his sacrifice on it. And then he made the situation look impossible. And then he told God, God, if you don't do this, people will not believe you. And God showed up. God will show up. Sometimes we don't want to put the right things in place and we, we expect him to show up. God doesn't need, he doesn't, he's not like Mano who needs something from you. So anything you do, then he'll be there. And be, and be smiling. No. He has standards. And I pray for us that in our, our, our place of restoration that we will yield ourselves and we will repair these altars. What is in your life that is not aligning? What is in your life that is not aligning? You must confront that. When Adam and Eve fell, God came into the garden and God called them out on their fall. You must confront it. You cannot keep sweeping it under. You know, you cannot keep shrouding the, the things in your life with, oh, here we go to church, I belong to. No. Because on the day when Jesus comes back for his people, he will not be asking, who is in ICGC? Who is in Pentecost? That will not be the question. Finally, the restoration of man came through Christ Jesus himself. When God will bring man back unto himself, he took the step of releasing his own son into the earth. And that is the only way that man can be restored. True restoration of man comes through Christ Jesus. The people were looking for an earthly kingdom. They were asking Jesus, have you come to restore unto us our kingdom? Are you going to be our king? And they were looking at the earth. They were looking at how they will come out from under Roman rule and not have to pay taxes to the emperor anymore. And Jesus said, you don't understand. You don't understand what I came for is bigger. He said to Pilate, he said, if my kingdom was of this world, it will be human beings who will be fighting to release me from you. You, Pilate, you won't be standing here by this time. After all, when they came to get, get Jesus, did Peter not take a knife and slash the ear of the soldier? If it was about earthly kingdom." You, Pilate, you not, they would have assassinated you, but it's not about that. And I want us to understand that there is, a, there is something bigger. There's something bigger than the things that sometimes we look to and we say, oh, this is what I want, this is what I want. There's something bigger. And that bigger thing stems from the restoration we find in Christ. The Bible calls it reconciled back to God. Bible calls it being reconciled back to God. Hallelujah. And we find this through salvation. And at every point in your life, you must question yourself again. What is it that I believed? Do I still believe in it? What will I do? What, what, how far will I go for this thing that I believe? These three questions as a believer, you must ask yourself daily. What was it that I believed in when I said, oh, I've given myself to Christ Jesus too? Do I still believe in him? And three, what will I give for this thing that I say I believe in? Every day as a believer, you must ask yourself this. If you are a believer who asks yourself this, 
see someone nobody will hurt you and you will be carrying the head because you know that there it is a contradiction to what you have believed if you're a believer who believes this you will not see sin and think that ah i would really love this i'd like to do this it's because we don't we don't visit david prayed a prayer he said restore to me the joy of my salvation. It's because we don't pray like that. But if you're a believer who constantly ponders over your faith and your salvation and what it is that Jesus means to you, there are things that will come your way and you say, this one, I cannot do it. Joseph said, I cannot, I cannot do this against my God first before you man. I pray for us that in our restoration we will come back to the place of seeing the joy of our salvation, experiencing, remembering. Some of you, when God touched you and drew you to himself, you were on fire. Things were happening in your life at the time. God was using you even in your small spaces. Miracles were happening with you. And over time, it, it's normal you can walk into church anytime it's become normal how can it be normal how but for us it's become normal these are the things I pray for us because what I, 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 I hear and what is sure as I've read from scripture I will not tell you something I perceive that is not aligned with scripture is that these are the demands of God and if we will see restoration in those things that we are praying, those prayer topics that you've been bringing to God, these things must be settled. God must, God must see these things settled. Salvation through Christ. Ponder over it. Question yourself. See where you have fallen. Make your way back. God will ask of you that you repair the altar, that you repair the altar. You are the altar. It will require a life of constantly bringing yourself up before God and crying out for his purge and calling yourself to the order of aligning to his word, obedience to his word. If we will see those things, God is not looking for a favor from you. So he, 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 he doesn't need to go beyond himself to do something for you when he knows that this thing will not show forth his kingdom. This thing will not project his will on earth as it is in heaven. God is not bound to do it. And you can say whatever you want. You can cry however you want. You can say God is not faithful, whatever. That is not the point. Get in line. Get in line. Repair the altar. Repair your hearts. Repair your hearts. Repair your hearts. Let God be able to trust you with the wealth, with the blessings that you're asking for. A sister was speaking to me yesterday and she was talking to me about her process over her marriage and how she's miscarried and miscarried. And she said, it's interesting that after these years of marriage, she said her husband stood in the midst of some friends. They were just speaking about what they had been through. And she said her husband spoke these words. Her husband said, he felt that it was now, after all the things they had been through, that 
they were ready for a child. In other words, when he looks at himself from when they got married till this point, he realizes that he did not know enough. Or maybe he did not want it enough. And through the tears and the crying and, and having to rush your wife to the hospital because again, another disappointment has come and you are looking at this woman that you love broken. And suddenly he comes into the place where he says, I think I am now ready. God will not waste the process. God will not waste the process. Fix the altar. Then lay the sacrifice on it. Let us return to the zeal of the Lord, the zeal of the house. Brothers and sisters, let us return to the zeal of the house. Let us return to the zeal of the house, your commitment to God and the things of God, your faithfulness, your passion. Let us return to these things. Let us restore our worship. fellowship and communion with God because in these things God will begin to release instruction for that restoration you need in your finances or whatever other area God will begin to release it in those areas but if you are standing outside of him he's in a kingdom he's in a realm and Bible tells us that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. In other words, your place must be in him. But if you choose to stand outside of him, how are you going to receive the instructions, the things that teach you how to make wealth, that teach you how to be above? I pray for us. This is a young church. But I want to take this opportunity to ask you and to tell you and to submit to you that it's time we begin to look to that greater purpose. How you feel, it won't do. It's time we begin to trust God and say, God, what is it you want us to do? And take the step and trust that he will come through. When Elijah was repairing the altar, I mean, at that time, the fire hadn't come. By that time, God has not told him, surely fire will come. We know this because it is after he restored the altar that he went into prayer and said, God, I've done this. I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for a miracle? Are you ready for all to see the power of the Lord God, Jesus Christ, whom you serve? Do the needful. Do the needful. Let God be the first in your life. Brothers and sisters, seek him first. Seek him first. Goals are good. I mean, all those things are good, but seek him first and let him be the one to lead you in the goal. Let him be the one to lead you in your steps and see how different it will be from the world. We don't repair our altars. We don't do it the right way. So when even you are getting ahead, you look like you are of the world. God have mercy on us. This morning, I want us to just come to God in a few minutes and we are praying. And you're just saying, God, I surrender. You're saying, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation.
You're saying, God, help me to repair this altar. In any way where my mindset, my heart, my lifestyle, my passion, my pursuits do not align with you, I ask for mercy. Draw me to yourself, oh God. For your word says that you have loved me with an everlasting love and with loving kindness you draw me. And so God, I cry out to you this morning that you will draw me. We want to see the kind of restoration that you've done for the people of old. You did it for the children of Israel. You restored Jerusalem. You restored the temple. You rebuilt the walls. You did it. You did it for Hannah. You did it for Joseph. And in this time where Jesus Christ himself has come and died, you're ready to do it for us. And so align us. Align us for restoration. Align us. We don't take it for granted. We will not shout and hop and jump around the altar in vain. Because it's not everywhere that God releases his power. He's not looking for fame. And so Lord God, we will not make you, we will not put you on that track. We will repair the altars. Lord God, our lives will be lives where you can show off when you descend they will be clear, will be clear that these ones are of God. God, bring us into that. Bring us into that. This morning, I just want you to just speak to God from the depths of your heart. For just a moment, I want you to put the, the request, the money, the things that you want. I want you to just put it aside. You, you're not throwing it away. You're just putting it down for a bit. And I want us to focus on God this moment. What is it he wants you to do in his house? Are you doing it? The things that, oh, if I got out, do this, oh, I'd like to serve God this way. And we don't follow through. We don't follow through because there's something we have to chase. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need to be here. And God is saying, you, you know I can give you all those other things, right? You know I can give it to you. We're returning. We're returning. We're returning. We're returning to the place of seeking first. We're returning to the place of re re restoring and repairing the altar. Lord God, our lives will receive your fire. Our lives. Bible says when Elijah did this and the fire of God came down and licked up the water and consumed the sacrifice. Bible says the people fell on their face and they said, hey, Elijah's God, he is the Lord. That will be our testimony. People will say, hey, your God, he is God. This Jesus that I have not cared about, he is God because you chose to do it his way, not any way. Before the testimony, you were already proclaiming Jesus. You were already saying, Jesus is the way. When it comes, people identify you with Jesus. They say, ah, then it's Jesus that did it for him. Because before that, he was already calling Jesus. Have mercy on us. But also align us, oh God. We yield our hearts. We yield our members. Do you not know that this body, though it is of clay, has become the temple, the house for our Lord? Do you not know? Do you not know? If you knew this, would you mistreat this body?
Would your body be found in any bed? No. God have mercy. Will your hands, this body, will your hands be found taking what is not yours? When God himself indwells you. Will your lips be found speaking what is not true? When it is supposed to be the avenue through which God declares his might. God have mercy. Will your eyes be watching that thing when it's supposed to be that which you see as God will have you see? And then you ask, why don't I have ideas? Why, why can't I see my way? I'm not seeing anything. Have you considered that you have given your eyes to another God? Enough of the pornography. Enough. Enough of it. Enough of it. Enough of it. And then you dare come out and say, God is not, I'm, I'm not seeing God in my life. How will you see him? How? Restore us. If we will see all the things, God, it must begin from this place. And so this morning, Lord God, we come back. We come back in brokenness and humility. We repair the altars of our hearts, our minds, our bodies. Ah, le we repair the altar of service in your house the altar of, of, of wanting to see the work of God go on when Jesus was tested he, was, he proved that indeed he was of God. His heart was God's. How would he not bring him up from the grave? He had to. He had to. When a believer who loves the Lord goes through suffering, hear this. It is God's occasion to show up. Let it count for something. Let everybody know where you stand. Don't live compromised. Don't live compromised. The world will never be able to give you what it is that you are looking for. When you get the money, you will still find that there is a void. So go for what will satisfy and let him decorate you with the rest. Mercy, Lord. Ramana Kazabranda Yalaho Siva Robana Hasai Ipa Meroko Sayanda Baha Roda Laba Ziaka Radaza Itana Malako Biaro Shanabahasai Aremana Sabayo Karadu Sabaye Nabaza Rababu Sivada Lamano Sayada Sariako Shada Lamana Hasura de Yakovia Sotaya your churches are crying where is the fire of God where are the miracles and this is your response your altars are broken down the people who will carry my fire where are they 
The altars are broken down. Who will repair? Who will repair? Because I, the Lord, I have been waiting to set down fire. I have been waiting to pour out revival. But your altars are broken down. So before we go back and cry again, God, show your power. Let us repair our altars. Let us repair our altars. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. We're sure you were blessed. Let's get interactive also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ICGC Revival Temple. Connect with Pastor Jennifer on YouTube and all her other social media handles. God bless you.